Well, they say there's a first time for everything, and this was the first time we ever recorded an episode of the Grand Life podcast in front of a live audience. And why? Because it's our 150th episode, and we tried a bunch of things that were a little different this time, including hired, actually hired, a fourth grade stand-up comedian who is a grandson who came to tell jokes for the grandparents assembled to hear our live recorded episode. So here's that stand-up bit, and following that, the episode proper. Now, direct from his current run in the fourth grade at Stonehouse Elementary School, let's welcome to the stage stand-up comedian Jackson Perry. Hi, welcome to the Grand Life Live podcasting event. Like they said, I'm Jackson Perry. I'm nine years old, and I've been tasked to make the crowd laugh and warm me all up. And so I think that they chose me because we have something in common. How many grandparents do we have in here? Yeah, what? Are you sure about that? Y'all y'all are a good-looking crowd. <laughs> Back to what I was saying about how we have something in common. Obviously, I'm not a grandparent, but I have grandparents. Another thing about me is I'm half Puerto Rican. And you know it's bad to have a Puerto Rican mama, and they don't play, blah, blah, blah. But it's worse to have a Puerto Rican mama with a Puerto Rican mama. <laughs> they something else, man. When my baba, she's like obsessed with Vicks. You know, the stuff they rub on your chest? No, she sticks it up her nose. <laughs> you got foot fungus, Vicks. Congestion, Vicks. Rash, Vicks. <laughs> All right, you, what's your name? Lillian. All right, Lillian. How many grandkids you got? Three. Three? Okay, what do you do with your grandkids for fun? Well, we go to amusement parks, or we walk into Colonial Williamsburg to see the animals, or play grounds or read books. Are you looking for any more grandkids? <laughs> Just standing here made me think about this one time that I went to the doctor because I was playing on the playground too much, you know, doing the monkey bars, all that stuff, and I fell off the monkey bars. I hurt my arm, I went to the doctor, right, and I figured out that I fractured my arm. So the doctor's like, well, it looks like you got to go to a specialist because you're casting. So I'm like, okay. We go home, and my baba's there. And we tell her all about it. And she's like, why you, why you pay for casting? Use Vicks. <laughs> Jackson Perry. When I look at old photos or videos, sometimes I have a hard time believing that our family did some of the things we did. We lived in a 1928 house, owned a 63 Chevrolet Biscayne without air conditioning or good looks, went to so many school games and meets and concerts and plays. Whether it's to remember something important or just to be sentimental, looking back can be a good thing. We're doing that today. 
I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. This episode is a celebration. It's our 150th installment of the Grand Life Podcast. We are recording it with a live audience who we have invited to go back in time with us to revisit the top six subjects that Mike and I have covered in our podcast. Let's see how they've aged. Let's see how we've aged since we began this 149 episodes ago. We're recording live in Williamsburg, Virginia at the Stryker Center next door to the Williamsburg Regional Public Library. They have invited us to be part of their event programming and we are happy to make new friends and talk about this project and topics that are important to us. With our studio audience, we're going to recap six topics we've covered in the episodes of The Grand Life that stand out for some reason. Either they were popular, or we got great feedback on them. Yeah, or it's about how important it is to us. Or, or you know, we just liked it a lot. Yeah. Topic number one is the five senses. We saw the highest engagement ever on a five-part series on how the five senses contribute to what we remember about our own grandparents, and by extension, the sights, smells, sounds, and so on, that our grands will remember us for. Here's a three-minute set of excerpts from those five episodes, beginning with a sense of smell. So let's categorize the aromas from the responses we got. First, cooking and baking smells. So there was fried chicken, soup, bacon, bread. I'm assuming homemade bread, molasses cookies, sticky cinnamon buns, chicken and dumplings, ginger snaps. Perfume and cologne or lotion. So there was Old Spice, White Shoulders, White Linen, Naxima, Blue and Gold Bottle of Vaseline Lotion, Pond's Cold Cream, Lady Esther Cold Cream. I love all these specifics that people wrote. Jurgens and Almond Scented Jurgens, Lander's Hand Cream. Don't remember that one. No, Rose Water mm -hmm. and Evening in Paris Pet Perfume. Now the sense of sound. <laughs> What does that make you think of? Okay, that makes me think of my grandfather who um, gave me a rifle. And I was quite young at the time when um, he put it in my hands. And then, you know, I got that kickback, which I don't think I'll ever forget. So that's actually a, that's a touch thing. I remember the kickback on that thing. It scared me to death. Next, the sense of taste. Now, this is a fascinating thing. That was the biggest list because of, I mean, why, why is that? That sweets with grandparents, what do you think? Maybe it's because uh, sweet foods uh, speak love in some way. I also think that it really fires off um, a, a really good feeling when you when you have something sweet. Have you ever seen Facebook things where they give a child who's sitting in a high chair some ice cream for the first time? Have you ever seen their faces? Mm -hmm. I mean, they light up. It's the visual translation of why did no one tell me this? <laughs> Now the sense of sight and recall along with it. Remember when you had boxes and boxes of family photos? Back when we used to send film off to be developed. The thing about pictures is their ability to capture something more than what's in the actual photo. That specific memory on the paper extends way past the 4 by 6 inches of the print. And then sometimes it doesn't. And there's hardly a memory to be had. In this episode of The Grand Life, we talk about the fourth sense in our series, sight. This one is a little harder because it works on our memories in a different way than smell, taste, and hearing. We think when we see a photo that we remember things the way they are pictured. Or do we? And finally, the sense of touch. 
I definitely remember her hair. It's one of the last things I touched and I was holding her. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I think... I think that's why I, I I want to capture everything on video because what I wouldn't do to see my grandma Aww. in action, cooking and just being herself, you know, before she became old and sick, right? Yeah. Like, I wish we had the technology back then. As you can tell from all these excerpts, grandparent memories are persistent and persuasive. Clearly, we grandparents are the memory makers, and our own memories triggered by our five senses are a testament to that. It's both a privilege and a responsibility, and it will be our legacy. Topic number two is the power of story. We did a three-part series on the power of story because it took several episodes to talk about how important it is, how to do it well, and how the stories you tell your grands will influence them and their families. The funniest story we ever heard from a guest is this one from a young dad who deeply loved his grandparents who were deaf. Now, his episode was really about grandparents with disabilities, but his story about them took it to a whole different level. One of my favorite stories is about music and my, and my grandpa, he bought cars. He let, you know, he would buy a car every five or six years and he loved Buicks and Oldsmobiles. He was very proud of his cars and he always liked to tout the stereos in his cars. And when <laughs> I was in high school, <laughs> he came over with a new car. Very, you know, he was the kind of guy that kept the sticker on the window for like a month after he bought the car. Give us a new Buick. And he came over to show it off with my grandma. And my mom was like, hey, why don't you guys go up and grab one of those wrap tapes so that grandpa can hear his stereo. So we grabbed NWA, which is a very explicit, you know, every other word is a cuss word. And, uh, but, but has lots of heavy bass in it. So you can feel it. Of course. And, uh, but we didn't think anything about the, the, the content because they couldn't <laughs> hear it. They could just feel it. <laughs> and I thought that they were just going to put it in so he could listen to it for a few moments. They put it in, it was in the summer. They put it in and they drove off with NWA blaring from their Oldsmobile <laughs> with the windows down. That's a great story. And I just pictured these two white-haired deaf grandparents going around 465 <laughs> with this vulgar rap music. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I told, yeah. we told them, they knew about it later. Like I told them about it, you know, I didn't, but you know, there were That's lots of moments story. like that where like the hearing and the deaf world combined in a humorous way. <laughs> So what we take from that is proof of another important theme, transparency. They were living boldly into their deafness. It was an unapologetic part of their identity, and their grandson Mark came to know them not in spite of it, but because of it. They live on in courage and transparency through stories like that. Our third topic is passing on your faith. 
In our fourth season, we did a three-part series on passing on your faith. It's a big concern for so many grandparents who see their adult children and grandchildren drifting from the faith they were raised on. In fact, the Pew Research Center says about a quarter of all U.S. adults now report they are spiritual, but not religious. We learned from our guests that this is not a speaking exercise. For your faith to carry forward, it has to be a lived reality, not something that you tell your grands. It's something that you live in front of them mm-hmm. or or better yet, alongside them. And that seems apparent across the board, whatever faith it is that you espouse. Everything I do, I would influence my kids. But they are definitely, at the end of the day, they are different individuals. They have their own thought process. So yes, they will absorb things and teachings from me. But then they will have their own life So my goal for upbringing my kids is that give them tools to not only question, but to know how to to find answers or seek for answers. And if they can't find one, not just leave it there, you know, keep exploring, keep finding one. And I'm sure they will find their, you know, the truth. And I, I wouldn't call it you know, your truth or my truth, I would call it the truth because we all know there's there's one truth. So let them, you know, my path may be different than anybody else, you know, but there are many paths that lead us to the truth. The faith of your grands may not be the same faith you have or grew up with, and it might not look like the one you know. It might have very different music and buildings, It might be virtual, like meeting over Zoom or YouTube. Or they might choose no religion at all. Not much in our world stays the same for that long, let's be honest. Well, maybe, unless we're talking about Colonial Williamsburg. (laughs) (laughs) Topic number four was curiosity. One thing that has surprised us across so many of these episodes is how often the notion of curiosity has come up on both sides, from both grandparents and grandchildren. In the effort to intensify your relationship with your grands, curiosity plays a huge part. Two examples you'll hear now are, one, openly facing adversity together, or two, learning about and joining in on a game or other activity that's new to you. Let's say your grandparents with dealing with Parkinson's, dealing with disease, feeling like their world was getting smaller and smaller. It, it seems like in that miniaturization of their lives, you were expanding. Them being curious about you and then you taking that curiosity beyond and looking at what they were dealing with. Um, it's almost like a family trait. It's almost like it's in the DNA that yeah. you would be a curious person. And they didn't conceal this from you. They didn't They didn't try to set up a barrier so you couldn't see what they were dealing with. And I think that's important, too. Yeah, the transparency. You know, it's really interesting, you know, especially I'm, I'm 25, 26 in November, and I'm at this age where I'm starting to realize that the people who are older than in, in my life are, you know, didn't have some guide. They kind of just were stumbling through it. Yeah. And, um, you know, when we're little, we... We hold our elders to this high regard, and then as we get older, we realize that they were kind of just, you know, figuring it out along the way. Yeah. Looking back, it was cool seeing, and you know, my my one grandmother is still alive now, and how she's 
kind of reinvented herself, you know, after the passing of my grandfather and, mm-hmm. you know, how she's moved on from that. And yeah, it's just really cool to see. We actually had a podcast that was entitled Do Grandparents Matter? Because I think sometimes grandparents think, oh, we don't really matter. We're kind of throwaway people at this point. And when I hear you talking, I'm like, oh, this is this excites me because we do matter and we can matter. Bill and Marion live on a street in Maryland where the houses are fairly close together. It's kind of fun to have kids our grandchildren's age floating around the neighborhood again. I don't know, it just sort of happens. The neighborhood kids come over to play with Bill and Marion's grandson, who, by the way, doesn't live there. When Jack is around, other kids, mostly boys, gravitate to the house to trade Pokemon cards with Bill, who was originally just following the grandson's lead. Jack, that's our oldest grandson, mm-hmm. started to get involved with it because Theo, the mm-hmm. next-door neighbor kid, was involved with it. And um, he looks up to Theo. Theo's a year older, I think, than Jack. In order for me just to keep control of where that was going, I ended up having to create a Microsoft Word document with a list of all the Pokemon cards that I owned and put them in alphabetical order. And uh, that way I was able to keep up with him because he naturally, with something like that, they absorb it so quickly. Yeah. You know, just they inhale the, the information and they know so much. And if you don't know at least a, a minimum amount, you're going to look stupid in their eyes. So I needed to keep up (laughs) with him. Clearly, we can't all learn how to play Pokemon, but we can learn to ask the right questions and be curious about their world and let them be curious about your world. That is, be open enough and transparent enough so they can see clearly into yours. Topic number five is the hard things. We made it a point from the very start of this podcast project to take on hard subjects to the extent that we had guests who would talk about them, like grandparenting after your spouse dies, or dealing with guns in the house, which is tough whichever side of that issue you are on, or caring for grandchildren with disabilities, or grandparenting when you have a disability. At first, there was a kind of gravitational pull towards the marvelous and away from the difficult, like grandparents who put on a grandkid camp for a full week for all their grandkids, which is expensive and exhausting, or grandparents who take each of their grands on a grand adventure to some exotic or distant place, which is even more expensive. And we took some fair criticism from listeners who said we spent too much time talking about achievements that are so far beyond the reach of many grandparents. This example, this particular thing, is very much the opposite. The death of an infant grandchild. This grandmother is speaking in this clip about her daughter, Liesl, and son-in-law, Luke, about their child, whose name was Mercy. This is definitely Luke and Liesl's story. It is not my story. It was their child. But as grandparents, we feel these things deeply. And the unfolding of this for me, it was bitter to see my child suffer. Um, And then to see her child suffer, it felt like a double um, bitterness for me. But in the end, what was sweet was to see how our children did such an incredible job of caring uh, for one another and came from literally the ends of the earth for the time when Mercy was born. She lived eight days. 
she ended up being able to come back to our place actually to spend her last days, which was a big deal. Instead of dying at the hospital, having life supports removed, they were able to allow her to be transported to our home, which doesn't happen. You don't go from hospice to home usually like that. And um, we didn't know if Mercy would live a half hour or a couple hours or who knew. She ended up living two days. And for Luke and Liesl, they never wanted her alone. So we all as family cycled through the hospital for 24 hours. We never left her. When she came to our house, we had this precious time um, of these few days with Mercy. You know, maybe what's exceptional here is that our guest is both a hurting grandmother and a trained spiritual director. She knows how to come alongside someone and, as she worded it, sit with them in their mess. It made her a powerful guest with experiences that are truly helpful. Another topic, estrangement, was a hard one, but one that seemed to resonate with so many of our listeners. Dr. Carl Pilmer is a social scientist and author of the book, Fault Lines, Fractured Families and How We Mend Them. His research has determined that 27% of the U.S. population, or more than 60 million people, are estranged from a close relative, and a sizable share of those are likely to be grandparents. In this clip, Pilmer shares how those who have mended these rifts worked it out. One thing I learned about estrangements is they extremely frequently revolve around violated expectations. And people often have high and unrealistic expectations for their family members. An adult child may expect their working 50-year-old mother to be there with cookies wearing an apron and her hair up in a bun, for example. <laughs> yeah. A mother may expect her daughter or son to drop the kids off all the time and be almost like a second parent. Those expectations, when they're violated, lead to very difficult and stressful relationships. So one thing people need to do is discuss the expectations. Make sure they're realistic. Talk with your friends on both generations and get a sense of what they're doing. Because I think you're absolutely right. With grandparents and grandchildren and the middle generation, this sense of violated expectations expectations with hearts checked out is very difficult. Estrangement is difficult and complicated, but knowing that other people have gone through it and have resolved it is a comfort. That's part of our purpose, to provide both hope that things can be better and some ideas on how to improve. Topic number six is brain development. When you feel like age is doing a number on all of us, you might be missing an opportunity, one that is more than just an attitude. We landed on this topic as a surprise, and we grew to love it. It makes for a terrific conclusion to our review of Power Topics. As new research and interviews indicated to Dr. Francine Toder, who's the author of several books, including The Vintage Years, there are things that a brain over 60 might be able to pull off better than a younger one. And in this clip, she makes the argument that fine arts might be the best way to stimulate vintage brains and to help keep them lively past 60. One of the things I found out is that music, playing an instrument or other kind of artistic um, pursuits are really good for the brain. And that's when I decided, well, I'd always been interested in the cello, never had time for it. And that's another whole 
thing about not having time through much yeah. of life. Right. I decided I would try it then and then look for for evidence of, you know, older people taking up a musical instrument later in life. Francine is not happy with the way older people are labeled and described. I don't like most of the ways of referring to people over 60. I think they're pejorative. I think they reek of ageism. I think they imply things that aren't valid for the typical over 60 person today who is quite healthy and robust and energetic and intelligent and aware. What's a good analogy? And I thought of vintage because it really describes um, a, a quality in something that is enhanced with age. Being vintage, we are actually getting better with age. Here is her explanation. One of the things that's interesting about the brain um, after 60 is that the right and left hemisphere become better integrated, more interdependent, and more functionally intertwined, which means that before the age of 60, in, in your early development, people are either more right-brained or more left-brained, but the two, the two lobes don't really talk to each other. But in, later in life, uh, we do have access through the right brain and things get stored in the left brain. And so there are ways in which if older than 60, we have the two sides of our brain cooperating in ways that really didn't happen before. So in some ways, there are some assets, not just liabilities. You have abilities now at 60 that you couldn't have had at any other point in your life because the pace of life is a little slower when you yeah. get to 60 because mm -hmm. your hormones are steadier. There's actually a decrease in testosterone and estrogen, which helps you be calmer. Hmm. Um, there's um, a certain uh, emotional stability that takes place later in life. Your focus is more laser sharp than it was. You know, there were all kinds of distractions at other stages in life. Yeah. Uh, there's more flexibility in your time, even if you still work or if you still have responsibility for parents or children or grandchildren. You, you have generally more flexibility in your time and there are fewer demands on your time. Yeah. Uh, and then there's one other thing that's really important, and there's a certain time urgency. There's an awareness of mortality at this stage of life, which motivates you because you say to yourself, it's now or never. Change is a precipitant because it shakes up the patterns. We're really patterned people. We just do things. It's easier. The, the human brain uh, doesn't want to have to think continuously of what am I doing next. So we have patterns to make life easier. Yeah. When the patterns get shaken up, you take time out. You go, whoa, now what? Yeah. 60 is probably the first time in life where you have enough space to actually think about, oh, what do I do now? Yeah. So uh, whether it's change or whether it's just age that leads to the opening up of, of new possibilities, which for some people is very exciting and other people it's terrifying. Yeah. So change can, can act in different ways. But, but yes, change is the impetus for making a decision about what I'm going to do next. 
So our physiology gives us a leg up through brain hemispheres that work better together. Our circumstances give us more time to work on stuff we were too busy to do before. Our heightened sense of mortality motivates us to go for it. And breaking up our patterns drives us to figure out what to do next. So even as grandparents, we can expect to grow and expand. That would include becoming a podcast listener. So Emily, what's on your mind now as we close the cover of this audio photo album that we've been reminiscing over today? Well, I'm just amazed at how much there is to talk about regarding grandparenting. When we started this podcast in March of 2019, before COVID, I told people about it and they often asked me, well, how much could there be to talk about? I mean, wouldn't we run out of ideas? Well, we may at some time, but as it stands, we are still finding topics of interest to our audience and we're still enjoying the process. I hope you'll join us in our journey and tell others about us. As we close, special thanks to the Williamsburg, Virginia Regional Library and Allison Norfolk, who works with adult programs and their technical staff for their help today. In the meantime, I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And thank you for joining us for the 150th episode of The Grand Life. Next time on The Grand Life. How many times have we been at family gatherings where we thought we were in safe territory and suddenly... um, Start by embracing this idea that disagreements and different ways of doing things, this is a common event and it's actually encouraged. We need there to be many different ways to do things well. That's next time on The Grand Life. 